Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's Red Voices. Thank you as ever for joining us as we take a deep dive into another busy week for United. Plenty for Richard Can and myself, Ian Leonard, to mull over, including a horror show at Wembley, a subdued win at home against Huddersfield, and a nice contract extension for Juan Mata. But before all that, I have just one question. Rich, how are you faring? I'm faring very... Shall I try again? <laughs> you shall try again, yes. I shall try again. I'm faring very well, amigo. No, I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad. I, I was worried that was quite an upsetting question for you at first. <laughs> now I've recovered. Oh, I'm so glad, I'm so glad. So, winding ourselves back to last Wednesday night for that game against Spurs, where there was a, a slight modicum of optimism. How quickly that was dashed? Within 10.3 seconds, was it, Rich? I think I think quite a lot of people concerned when we saw the... Um saw the lineup and the formation which looked a little a little positive for for the game that we had um but obviously that that had nothing to do with the fact that 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 Spurs did us with a with a routine they probably laughed about on the training pitch thinking it'd never work and then essentially four things happened that would be very difficult to make happen if you wanted to and when we defended like idiots and were a goal down within like you say 11 or 12 seconds and it was it was going to be a long way back from there really and it didn't get a lot better. It did not, no. Uh, I still haven't quite gotten my head around quite what happened at the beginning there. There was that argument that, gosh, Howard Kane was, was in the United half just after they made the kick. Yeah, like uh, half of our players weren't also doing the exact same thing. Come on, that was really grasping at straws. United just weren't switched on whatsoever, were they? It was no. appalling. The whole setup was so ridiculously easy to get through. Let's be quite frank, it really didn't get any better throughout the entire evening. And what was so frustrating was that Mourinho had gone out, tends to get irked when people you know, criticise him for being far too defensive, and he really does not take that criticism lightly or on the chin. So it's tough to know whether this was a reaction to you know the games against uh, City at Old Trafford or the game at Anfield, in which United essentially did sit back so deep and didn't show much in the way of endeavour. But by that same token, it was then very frustrating just to see it just crumble so quickly. Admittedly, the response to the goal for 10, 15 minutes was excellent. You know, I thought yeah. we actually came back into the game quite well and we showed some purpose, but we couldn't sustain it. And then once it became clear that Spurs were completely capable of just doing us on the break, what a shock, then it just seemed to spark this massive sense of fear. And then we just didn't come out for the second half at all. No. I mean, I do I do wonder whether you, you've got a point with regards to him looking back, really, at, <laughs> I know for the first time ever, um, you could have point looking back, looking back at sort of previous away games against the big sides, and, and one, I wonder whether the the signing of Sanchez emboldened him a bit, and he thought, you know, we've got we've got a, a really sort of world class weapon now that we can use up front, so we can afford to be a bit more offensive, and a, a lot of what we did was offensive, but but in a different context, but. Like as you say, I, I think it was one of those nights where I don't, I don't think a single player on the pitch really met the standards that they, anything like the standards they should be achieving. It's not a word I use a lot, but but it, it, it was just generally a clusterfuck, really, wasn't it? <laughs> to be honest, um, it, you know, every everything everything that that could have been done wrong was done wrongly from the from the manager to the players to, you know, and a lot of it was so amateur. I mean, the midfield was just this void where. Spurs players could just have free reign to to wander through onto the back four, and even Phil and even Phil Jones, who's really you know played I think largely very well this season, just had his his occasional absolute clangor and scored an own goal that most strikers would struggle to finish if you go you know if you served to them ten times. So 
it was just a day when absolutely everything went wrong. Mm. I think one of the big problems in particular was just how vulnerable we looked down that left flank. You know, you look back at the formation, you could say perhaps a 4-3-3 gives a little bit more protection to Ashley Young, but I'm not necessarily sure that really excuses just how often he was getting caught out in that first half. You know, Kieran Trippier is not a football genius and he was just given free reign. You know, you look at the ball coming in for the second goal in particular, you know, the Phil Jones own goal. Yeah, it might have made more sense in retrospect and in general to actually hit that ball with your left foot as opposed to trying to strike it with your right. It's probably a good note for the future. But, you know, Ashley Young has done Jones a massive disservice and not helped him out at all with the positioning there. And that was a that was a feature throughout the entire game. I was just surprised that it was allowed to go on for so long. You know, if that was Luke Shaw in that position, you know full well Mourinho would have had him off within about 25, 30 minutes. But it was allowed to carry on. You know, it didn't. it wasn't really until the last... 15 minutes in that second half where we actually started to look a little bit more solid, I guess. And that was purely because we had just gone defensive and tried to flood the midfield a little bit more. Mm. And it took that long for the change to be made. Now, you know, we discussed it a little bit on Twitter on the actual evening of the game itself. And I guess the frustrating thing for me was that maybe not frustrating is not the wrong word, but I felt there was a little bit of an attempt to try and have our cake and eat it because we wanted so much to see this attacking approach in these bigger games and Mourinho went for it. It didn't pay off. And I think the criticism tended to veer too much towards him. And I get that. Absolutely, I 100% get it. But I think the frustration to me more was that so many of that team just did not turn up and perform anywhere near the levels that we know they can get to. All right, Phil Jones and Chris Morning, we know that they are going to drop the occasional clanger. But I thought Matic looked... I mean, he was getting flooded initially, but still... He just looked completely exposed against everyone. He was struggling to keep on the ball. Pogba was way, way off the pace pretty much all night and he couldn't dictate play. Couldn't get involved in the game whatsoever. Lukaku was so isolated as well. It's just no one had a good game in that. No one had a good performance no, I, in that game at all. I think I think if you look at it though, if you if you look at the team and the way it's set up, there, there were I just I don't want to look many... at it. Go away. Oh, okay. You can, you can avoid it. I'll do, do the analysis. But uh, if you... If you look at that team, there were there are just too many. There were just too many square pegs in round holes. You know, ultimately, Ashley Young, as as well as he's done for us this season, is a winger playing left back. Chris Smalling is Chris Smalling. Paul Pogba can't play in midfield too. I mean, this this isn't this isn't something revelatory. I mean, you know, France have tried to play him there, you know, regularly with, without any success, and every time we see it, he just can't do it. It it either completely blunts his offensive abilities. Or it leaves us exposed at the at the back, and you've got a guy like Matic who he's just been flogged to death, hasn't he? You know he's played almost every game for every meaningful game for since the start of the season, and I think we're 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 looking at a guy now who just looks tired, and there's 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 talk of him carrying injury as well, and he was just completely exposed in that midfield. It was essentially him against three Spurs players for most of the game, and he's not mobile in, anyway, so you can see why. Ultimately, Mourinho said that he, this summer is going to be focusing on signing midfielders because he's got to find an answer to the Pogba problem and to the fact that on his own, Matic is just not mobile enough to be able to to really cover the the back four by himself. This is a, this is a wider question again. We've seen Sanchez come in and he's immediately been put on the left wing where Martial was playing exceptionally well before the signing and. Martial was shunted out to the right where he didn't have a good game and it's not really his you know modern forwards modern modern attackers should definitely be um adaptable 
But, you know, he's had so much success dribbling in from the left, diagonally right to the goal and being able to get a shot away. And that's completely blunted if you play him on the right. And we just had too many, too many of the wrong shaped pegs in the wrong holes. And, and ultimately Spurs play very, very well. And, you know, they did what they do. They're at home, at least. They're in, they play with a huge amount of intensity and the quality they've got really, we could have lost by, by three or four. It, it was just one of those nights where there were just too many things that weren't in the right places. But you're right. Mourinho has to take half of the blame for that performance, but then the players have to take the other half for absolutely dis- dissolving at the first sign of adversity. It was, like as I say, it was just a night when absolutely everybody did everything they could have done wrong. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, it, it was pointed out to me as well. One of the things that people brought up was that we saw a template to how to approach some of these games, or at least a test template, at least anyway, when we played Everton a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And that was a good performance against a team that was not playing well. And we're playing away from home, where we tend to be a little less open and a little bit more pensive. And I guess that 4-3-3, as the game wore on, especially in the second half, where we played some really great attacking stuff, that was an example of how we can play. But it needs pointing out, that was Everton. I don't know, it does feel a little bit like we are... We, Mourinho just seems to be in trouble either way. You know, he went for an attacking you know, formation and approach in that game against Spurs. And you said it to me, you know, that wasn't the game to try it. But when is the game to try it then? You know, well, there's a middle ground, we, when, when do we? Yeah, absolutely, there is a middle ground in terms of the sense that you know, Mourinho can go for a slightly less attacking approach and still make us dangerous and make us a bit less vulnerable. But then do our players have to have 100% the right circumstances and attacking formation and defensive determination in order for us to get the right result? Isn't there a way in which we can perform much better than we did with a similar tactic and not get that performance? I think you could play, you know, certainly I think virtually every player on that pitch could play better than they did. But the chasm was so great on the day that even a, a 10 or 20% improvement in performance wouldn't have made a great deal of difference. I mean, ultimately we could have lost four or five, four or five nil. I think, I think the frustration is that we, obviously, you know, Spurs aren't Everton, but you, we look back at that, that Everton game and you really saw what you get if you, if you have, if, if you, if you play the midfield three and you have Pogba, you know, really sort of rampaging and roaming from that sort of left central position. And and he really got the best out of Martial that day, and Lingard had a really good game as well. And United, we looked like a functioning, functioning unit, a really dangerous functioning unit. I think part, perhaps, some of the frustration is that we switch things about so much, and on occasion the approach just doesn't seem to match the game in question. Clearly, United have improved significantly since last year, then two years before that, but there's just still some frustrations that we we don't seem to be I mean even 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 in the best of times I don't think we've put in a 90 minute fluid you know really fluid effective performance this season we've had periods of games where we've been very very good but we haven't we haven't put in one really absolutely wonderful performance all season I just looked too obvious that 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 formation was going to get ripped to shit by Spurs and and it was uh, but I I don't think any of us anticipated just how badly it would I I think I think the goal at the, at the very start, just seemed to knock the, the stuffing out of everybody. And we didn't ever... As you say, we had 10 or 15 minutes after that where we looked quite enterprising. But I, I think once we didn't we didn't equalise in that spell and the, the belief seemed to drain and everybody seemed to go a bit rogue. Um, so we're going to kind of have to draw a line under that game and, and just say 
that there's a lesson in what not to do in 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 these in these kind of games. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a one way of looking at it in the sense that that was essentially an experiment and it just went horrifically wrong. You know, we we ultimately, and we have to be honest about this, we've got a certain amount of leeway when it comes to the league this season. As long as we don't screw up too badly, we should finish in the top two or three. Or at least the top four anyway. So you shouldn't imagine that we should fall that much further than we are now because we're just so far behind City. So, you know, Spurs, there was a fairly decent gap between the two of us before tonight's game. And with, you know, Chelsea getting tonked by Bournemouth on the same evening, you know, it was to a certain extent a bit of a free hit. You know, it, obviously it's not by no means great. And I don't think we should be encouraging the side to lose that badly against the big sides away from home because ultimately Mourinho's record against the bigger clubs so far in his United career is not great. But in context of the whole season, that feels, I guess it's part of the broader picture, but in isolation, that single game was quite significant. If we, uh, you know, switch ahead to Saturday afternoon, home to Huddersfield, and it wasn't necessarily a startling display of attacking football, but it kind of got back to a bit more business as usual. You know, we were <laughs> dominating possession. Huddersfield didn't, you know, they barely had a chance the entire game. I don't think Dave really legitimately had to make any decent save throughout the entirety of that 90 minutes. They barely troubled us at all. The only way they actually caused us any issues was in the sense that they actually did a very good job of keeping us out. I guess we didn't really give them too many problems in the first half, but I think things got a little bit more stretched in the second, in, well, after the break. But beyond that, you know, a pretty comfortable 2-0 win, you know, especially given the context, you know, you think about how United turned out on the 50th anniversary of the Munich Air disaster 10 years ago. And I saw a couple of friends of mine just discussing how hurt they were by that performance. I thought United managed the occasion, which is always going to be difficult because it's such an emotive thing to commemorate. I thought United handled that pressure and, as I said, the occasion very well. And it was nice to see us get through that game on what is on what is a very poignant thing to commemorate for the club and to get through it with a good win. Yeah, and I don't think I don't think United could have asked for a more compliant opponent than Huddersfield to go over the Spurs game. Um they are by far the worst team I've seen I've seen United play at home in a long time. I mean you you said they didn't have a, a serviceable chance. Apparently they've had they've now had they've had five shots on target in their last seven league games, which tells you and they they, they didn't make they weren't even trying. They weren't even trying to score. There was no intent to score at all. It was just shut up shop and basically Kicked the living daylights out of any United player that got that got the ball within thirty yards of goal. Um, it was it was the most pathetic, cynical, nasty, pointless performance I've seen of an away team at United in a very long time. You know, the, the good thing to come from the game was that was that ultimately we passed the test of having to break down a a team who were defending very belligerently, even if we even if we should have been ahead to a penalty in the first half that was quite clear one of the most Blatant penalty awards you you could ever imagine ever being not ever being given, and it wasn't. So I think we're all a bit not con- not concerned, but we're surprised by the changes to the team. You know, as much as Mourinho said he wasn't, he clearly was punishing Pogba. It, it grated with me a little that Martial was left out. You know, he seems to kind of be the the go to sacrificial lamb at, at times. You know, he had, had he was poor against Spurs. Everybody was poor against Spurs, but he was stuck on the opposite wing to where he normally plays. And we still had guys like Matic and like Lukaku who've played, God knows how many games this season, 40-odd 40, 40 games this season, and who've looked tired tired and jaded for weeks, who who kind of got, got played again. 
but but you know in the light of the, the changes we made and and the, the opponents it was it was a really good test to have come through and it was really good to see Alexis Sanchez really kind of get get his teeth into being a United player and really put in a a really strong and really positive performance yeah and I think the way in which things seem to open up a little bit after the break you know we started to make a little bit more in terms of a mark on the game the way in which for instance Shaw was getting a bit more involved so he had a chance to cross not too long before matters uh, crossed for the goal uh, I think it showed a little bit more that we were able to stretch them somewhat and you know you look at the actual goal itself it was just a case of play breaking down, Matic with quick thinking to get it to matter, and a wonderful, wonderful cross. And Lukaku would be missing that service all day up to that point. And I guess that's what we bought him for, wasn't it? To be on the end of those chances. And he took it really well. First time straight in, and Huddersfield had no chance with it. And at that point, given how little Huddersfield had actually provided, felt like it was a key, key goal. And I think it's an indication of just how up to nothing Huddersfield were in that game that even at 1-0 I wasn't ever worried you know there was a real bite in the game as well you know especially in that first half that reminded me a bit of the Bournemouth game last year in the sense that I didn't know why everyone was so angry and why everyone was just seemingly getting wound up over nothing I mean admittedly the McTominay challenge was just absolutely ridiculous you know how the referee's not given that considering that there is clearly just no attempt to play the ball and he's just jumped into him when McTominay is clearly looking to see what he can do with it it's just absolutely ridiculous you know it was as stonewall penalty as you're ever going to see and there's just no excuse not to get that call right but regardless you know I think United got through that game on a you know a challenging occasion and Given how things had gone and the fact that, as you mentioned there, however Munio wants to dress it up, I think he was making a statement to Pogba about his performance in that game. Admittedly, it's not all on him, as we've said, but Pogba didn't have a great game. And I think it was, from Munio's perspective, important to prove to himself and to others that Pogba isn't guaranteed a game every single week if he plays like that. Now, we all know that Pogba is our greatest player <laughs> at the moment. He is the best player that we have. We just do not play anywhere near as well as we <laughs> as we do when Paul Pogba's on the pitch. But I think Mourinho felt like he had probably been vindicated enough in the sense that United took the lead without him and we weren't so reliant on him. So that was enough to just say, OK, fair enough, go on, I had the last half hour. And he came on and played well. What a shock. Well, he came, he came on and essentially played the most ridiculous pass to Juan Massa. 40, 50 yard pass to one matter that led to the penalty. Yeah. I think that that was probably his. There you go. <laughs> there you go, mate. That's what I can do. Have that. Have that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, we, we haven't really spoken so much about Alexis tonight either. I thought he had a yeah. great game on Saturday. You know, he kept going for it. A couple of occasions where he might be deemed to have uh, gone over somewhat easily, perhaps. Um, uh, the first half didn't look too much like a penalty, but the second half certainly was. You know, it was clear contact right on the edge of the box. And that was happening all game. You know, Huddersfield were being very, very physical with him. And it started to frustrate him towards the end of the first half when he picked up a booking. But I thought he kept on going. And that's a good indication of the sort of character that we've got, right? You know, he is clearly up for the fight. You know, he's a, he's not, he's diminutive in stature, but clearly not diminutive in heart or strength. And it was great to see him keep on picking himself up. I and mean, I'm sure he's had games like that before and playing for Arsenal, but I guess I haven't studied it too tightly. Yeah. But it was nice to see that sort of approach considering, you know, what the man that he's replaced was known for in those sort of similar I t- circumstances. I'll tell you what I really loved about, about Sanchez's performance. And, and, and as you kind of alluded to there, you don't always watch 
opposition players or other teams' players quite as closely as you do when when the United players. And so while we we know what Sanchez's best attributes are and what his qualities are and how good he is, we we, we haven't perhaps watched him super closely. And what I noticed noticed from very early on was that he was absolutely imploring people to pass the ball forward quicker. Um, and every time he received the ball, the first thing he did was was turn and run straight at the the, the back four of Huddersfield's back four. Someone said to me on Twitter that I think we're all kind of a bit used to we're, we're all still sort of slightly influenced by the LVG area and even the players to to a certain degree. And that we we sometimes we don't pass the ball quickly enough around the the sort of our final third of the pitch, and it was just it was very notable to see a guy who just got the ball and <clears throat> and headed straight for goal. And and if other quite on quite a few occasions, if the midfield has had the ball sort of ten or twenty yards before him, he was literally imploring them to pass it forward to get the ball forward, stop going side to side. That's something we need. I think that's something we've still lacked is is some real urgency and directness in the final third. You know, it's it's really not. You know, it's one game against a particularly wretched opponent, but it, it's ni- nice to see for United to finally have a very high quality player who's willing willing to do that. And I must say that it wasn't just Sanchez that had a really really good good game. Matter was absolutely brilliant in that game as well. <clears throat> I think I I think I said on Twitter afterwards that it brings the eternal questions of you know just how good would one Matter be if he could run fast. Hmm. Where on earth do we actually play one matter that that would make him play like that all the time? Just those general wonderings that we have about a guy that we really love and, we, and he's a really really lovely technical player, but for whatever reason we just haven't been able to get you know consistent performances out of him, and he just doesn't quite seem to fit in any any role in the team. But just occasionally he'll have the most wonderful game, and we'll kind of start thinking, oh yeah, one is really good. What can we, how can we work make this work? But uh, that was the sort of game that even twelve months ago. I could I could have seen us still going into the seventy seventy fifth eightieth minute banging ahead against the wall, not getting through, and things getting really really antsy, and you know the crowd getting nervous and whatever else. So it was it was really good. I thought that we came out the second half and and had Huddersfield on the rope straight away, and and we had the quality to to break them down. And I think after that it was just it was just a stroll in the park. So it, you know there were lots of positive signs, but only we should mark that up as given the opponent. But I'm looking forward to us going to Newcastle next weekend. You know, that's a game that we can we can really win. And I'm actually looking forward to us playing, which hasn't been a given for the last four and a half years, has it? So, yeah, I think there's some really good signs, particularly after the Tottenham game as well. You know, there could have been a few players that were really rocked by that, but it didn't really seem to bother anybody. And they we really sort of got back into winning ways sort of very competently. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, the only other thing to mention was Sanchez didn't actually <laughs> score the penalty. It wasn't the best strike, but it was really good that he followed up and at least dusted it off. And it was really nice that it happened in front of the Stretford end. You know, there's an added, added romanticism to that, for sure. So yeah, it was nice to see him open the year's account. You know, he didn't necessarily get that close to scoring in the two games that he played before. You know, he had some good work against Jovel, against Spurs. Like everyone else, he struggled really to influence too much. He did have a really good low shot in the first half that I think uh, Lozel diverted round this post in the first half. But other than that, you know, it was just nice to see him involved so heavily and get the goal that his play deserved. And I think that at the moment, as you said there, it's great to see what he's going to be able to bring into this side. He does give us another dimension. And there's been a lot of talk as well from... Uh, I think it's probably fair to say Arsenal Twitter in the <laughs> sense that they've been constantly talking about how often he gives the ball away. I mean, 
you know, we just dealt with however many years of stoic, stale possession. Yeah. I'm absolutely fine with Alexis Sanchez running at whoever the hell he wants. Even if it mucks up, I do not care. I'm fine with that. Well, that's the, the point is he gives the ball away. I mean, the, I think Squawker said he had some stat afterwards that he's give, he gave the ball away more in one game than any United player this season, but that's because he was trying things that no United players tried this season. You know, it goes back to what I said. He, he turns, he goes straight for goal. He tries, for, he tries things. He tries the difficult pass. He tries to dribble past two men. He tries the shot. One more thing to mention before we get onto Twitter questions this week is, well, a couple of things actually. The atmosphere. Uh, Mourinho was particularly, well, he has been quite vocal about the matchday atmosphere at Old Trafford. Moyes has talked about it. Van Hal talked about it. And now Mourinho's talked about it. And, you know, it's not a new thing, you know, and this is part of a wider problem, I think, in English football as opposed to just being completely confined to Old Trafford. You know, it's been used as a stick to beat United fans with consistently. You know, our away fans are rightly talked up as being some of the best in the country, if not, you know, the continent. But at Old Trafford, I think it's very difficult to recreate that atmosphere, you know, because you've got, you know, the fans who would be more willing to chant spread out around such a large area. And I think, to be honest, one of the things that I've not seen discussed enough is the fact that Old Trafford can absolutely turn it on when it wants to. But I just don't think there's that desire to do that against teams like Huddersfield. You know, you think back to great Champions League nights. Old Trafford can be absolutely wonderful for atmosphere. There's no place like it when it's up to that level, which we know it can get to. But I think there's just not that much of a desire to keep to get to that level most weeks. And I guess it is the difference in terms of, I guess, culturally where United sit for a lot of people these days. And it's not the easiest thing to recreate that sort of classic atmosphere and the atmosphere that we, you know, so many people in the Menting seems to be lost. I don't know. What do you think? I, th- I think it's it's something that, as many people have said, it's just it's been declining for for quite a few years and it's, it's multifactorial it, it comes down to all seater stadia and increasing prices and the kind of atten- the, the fans and attendance just getting on average older and as you say I think it's exaggerated at United because the ground is so large and because people who may want to sing are so spread out and there's just I think there's just a um I think there's just a bit of a thing in English football I mean I, I think that we had we had some problems with the sort of over, overzealous stewarding and and everything else, and I think I think ultimately all we've managed to do is just kind of stymie the atmosphere over over a long period of time. I mean, as you say, I think if we were we were to get to the the Champions League semi finals and you know play a Real Madrid or a Barcelona or Juventus or whoever, I think I think the place would be absolutely rocking. But it's been very quiet in Saturday three o'clock or even sort of weekend games, particularly in the cold for a long time, and I. I I know that I know the club and the sports associations and whatnot have looked have looked at various answers and we've tried the singing section which doesn't really seem to have been effective. In reality, the only answers would be to to introduce rail seating, safe standing, and to reduce t- the prices of the tickets in those areas to allow you know younger younger people to get in. It's it's a very big issue and I don't think there are any there are any easy answers. I think just generally Old Trafford needs to be modernised. It needs to be revamped. It would be absolutely wonderful if it could be expanded. But I think that there's no easy answer to to regaining an atmosphere at United. And, and in fairness, Mourinho made the same complaint to, at Chelsea as well. You know, I've got a friend who's a City fan. And he says the Etihad's like a morgue most of the time as well. And it, it's an English football problem. That is, I think, made worse. Is worse at the bigger clubs because they're bigger stadia, 
where the fans are spread out more and generally a lot of them charge more as well. So it's a very wide question and I, and I don't know what the immediate answer is. No, me neither. So let's leave that one there with a nice big cloud of uncertainty. No, no, I think you're absolutely right. I think you mentioned as well they're expanding the stadium. You know, there has been plans in the air for years about, you know, adding a second tier to the South Stand. But that, again, is a, a could potentially be a problem, isn't it? You're talking about one of the most expensive seating areas in the whole of Old Trafford. You know, the South Stand has never, ever been renowned for its atmosphere in the modern day. And you're talking about adding another tier onto that. And I'm not necessarily sure that is directly going to improve the atmosphere as well, because those cheap, those seats are not likely to be cheap. So, as you, you know, as we've discussed here, there is no easy answer to it. You know, I think rail seating and reduced tickets would certainly be a start. But let's be honest, we seem like we're some way away from that. Just before we get onto Twitter questions, a quick word on uh, the man we've just been speaking about a couple of minutes ago, Juan Mata, uh, with his contract extension, which I honestly... Considering how much of a garbage turd 2017 was and 2018 currently is, that that news made me really, really happy. I mean, admittedly, you know, the cynical view, I guess you could take, is that it's essentially protecting his value, right? So six months left on his contract. If anyone comes in for him in the next, what, in, during the summer transfer window, then we can get a little bit of money out for him. But I don't get the sense that's what's happening here. I think Mourinho genuinely feels like he's a useful player for him for this United side. And you know, I, having wrote, written about him a little bit this week, I think it was mentioned on Rankcast when they were discussing it last week, there's definitely a sense that we didn't quite get the player that we were hoping for when we signed him four years ago from Chelsea, right? You know, it was there was definitely a big PR element to bringing him in. You know, Mourinho was happy for him to go. He was surplus to requirements. He wasn't getting many games. We spent a lot of money. We were hoping essentially for a nice confident shot in the arm. And we didn't quite get that. What we have gotten instead has been a pretty reliable, mostly consistent performer who has not necessarily lit the world alight. But I think ultimately, if you look at his involvement of United over the last couple of seasons, he's been there for a lot of the great things that we've done over the last three and a bit seasons. You know, you think back to involvement in the FA Cup final, priceless equaliser. He's had goals in big games against City, you know, the double against Liverpool. He's been there for the whole kit and caboodle. You know, I think that you look at him as a person as well. And obviously that clouds a lot of people's feelings for him because he is legitimately one of the nicest people to have ever played football. As far as I can tell, I adore that man to bits. And I'm really glad we've got him for at least another 18 months. And I think that that's just reward for how he's sort of buckled down and gotten on with things under Mourinho. You know, the whole uh, narrative around him when Mourinho arrived was that, oh, Matt is going to be out on his ass. And he's just worked like he did in the Van Hal, turned that sort of notion of him being this flair player who won't track back around. And he works hard. He puts himself about. He'll more often than not finish chances, even though he's not necessarily scored a lot of goals this season. And he's creating. Yeah, and what's what's very interesting is that um, Mourinho's said yesterday that he's no longer looking at buying a, an attacker this summer. And you can you can see why, because I think he, know, he knows he needs to invest a large amount of money in the midfield and perhaps the defence as well. But we've we've got this perpetual question over the right hand side and whether we have enough penetration there because because Matt is obviously so slow and comes inside very quickly uh, comes inside very very regularly and and whatever else is so I think there's been a bit of an assumption that perhaps we'd we'd look to get a right sided player in but it looks like he's he's bought Sanchez who he could be playing there and he's decided to play him left and I don't think he's he's really committed to Martial or Rashford playing there. So it looks like there could be a first team place there for him for for at least next season as well. 
I don't think you find anybody who's who's really against the idea of one still playing a a significant role for us just because he's so ace and you know on on his on his days when he gets it right as he did on at the weekend he's an absolutely wonderful footballer to watch play hmm. so you know i i think you're right there's there's a degree of protecting his value in in triggering his contract but but i also think there probably is an intention to retain him for probably until the end of that period He's been enough of a good player for us that it makes sense to retain him for that 18 months. Yeah, and I don't know yeah. whether or not he'll get a deal after that, but he has been more than good enough to warrant that extension. Yeah, right? definitely, yeah. Okay, let's nip over to Twitter questions. We've got a, we've got a fair bunch today. Thank you very much, everybody. Oh, it warms the cockles. Uh, to 3 Uh Got a question for the next podcast. Can you name a worse centre-back ever to put a United shirt than Chris Smalling? Yes. Mm. I grew up watching Mal Donaghy and Mike, <laughs> Mike Duxbury and... And, and assorted other misfits. So, so yes, mm-hmm. I can remember. I can remember one worse. Although deep cuts, man, deep cuts. Although I would, I would prefer if if Chris Smalling were one of the first people to leave the building in the summer. I think it's, it's interesting. Uh, the the author Wayne Barton, United fan on on Twitter, kind of he 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 repeats this mantra every time we we get ripped to pieces. But he says if you if you if you have Arsenal level defenders, you've got Arsenal level results. And I think that's, it's a little harsh on Joe. He refers that to, to Jones and Smalling. I think it's a little harsh on Jones, but I think the point stands on Smalling. He's a good centre back. He's not quite good enough, I think, ultimately for, for the level we need, we need him to be at. Andrew Dayton asks, uh, this Jose isn't going to sign any attackers in the summer nonsense. Surely Jose is trolling us, fans. My Dybala dreams can't go up in smoke. Um, I, Guess there's time for that to turn around because I would be surprised if Griezmann ends up staying at Atletico this summer purely because everything seems set up for him to go. And now the transfer ban ends, you know, in a couple of months, you would assume that essentially means him on his way. And I would be surprised if United still aren't a realistic target for him. But I guess it kind of depends on whether or not Mourinho feels that he can get the most out of the likes of Martial and Rashford and Sanchez and Lukaku that will decree over the next sort of four or five, six months, whether or not he genuinely wants Woodward to push for another attacker, right? I think arguably United have got the talent to have a wonderful backline, one of the best on the continent, one of the best in European football, without doubt. But it's just whether or not we've got the consistency and Mourinho's got the application to get the best out of them. And I don't think any of us are really certain of that at the minute. So that is the big question, whether or not we'll actually go for someone, is whether Mourinho feels he can get enough out of the players that he currently has. I really hope he does, because... There's been a lot of talk about Rashford, and I still think it's all guff in the sense that you know Jamie Redknapp saying that he doesn't, he thinks he's going to have to move on because Sanchez is going to limit his chances is absolute bollocks, quite frankly. And I don't think anyone's really at risk because Sanchez is there. He's only going to improve them, and I still think chances are going to be so frequent for everyone because there's so many games still to play this season. Mm. Touch wood. But yeah, I'm I'm not necessarily sure. How do you feel about that one? It wouldn't surprise me if we signed a young uh, attacker, um, someone with potential that that we could perhaps ease in slowly i don't see a side I, I can't i can't i can't see where griezmann fits into that now <clears throat> i had the similar feeling about the, the ozil links as well in that it, it doesn't see united's mess at ozil yeah, yeah that's right it, <laughs> it doesn't it didn't seem to make a lot of sense to me because ultimately the, the the best i think the best the way to get the best out of this team is to play is to play a 4-3-3 and you know Mourinho specifically said he wants to, to, to bolster the midfield and i think he'll spend a lot of money doing that in the summer I'm still desperately crossing my fingers that he that he goes for for SMS from from Lazio. My my current um, your squeeze. My, my current my current football squeeze 
and I know we've I know we've looked at him, but I know pretty much every big club in Europe has. But you know, to sign a guy like that, you're looking at eighty, ninety, a hundred million euros, and with the potential of Fellaini leaving as well, which I think most of us are kind of hoping might happen. And, and character. I've got to sorry. I've got to stop for one second. Sorry to interrupt you there. Speaking of Fellaini, Mourinho's comments about him this week. I told him to sign the contract and shut up. Well, it's, <laughs> well, it's fair, isn't it? I mean, ultimately, he's, he's got injured. It's amazing. Him. I know. You know, Mourinho says what he thinks, doesn't he? I mean, he's got he's got injured for six weeks again, and he's been playing. Frankly, if the if the reports are true, he's been asking for money, which is way which is way beyond this station. But you know, if ultimately he does go, then we do need. With Carrick as well, uh, Mourinho seems to have lost all, all faith in Herrera whatsoever. Mm, wasn't even on the bench on Saturday. No, you know, we're going to need two very high-level midfielders. We're still probably looking at a need for at least one full-back and, a, and probably another centre-back. It, I would be very, very surprised if we invested the best part of 100 million in, it, in an attacking player this this coming summer. Yeah, I mean, I guess the uh, the centre back thing is <laughs> somewhat of a concern as well, especially when you consider that our best centre back, Eric Bailly, has real, real problems staying fit. You know, it's been several big chunks of both seasons that he's been involved in that he's just not been available and I think now I'm starting to get concerned. Uh, Samurai Jack asks uh, does Rich believe that players who should be rested should be the first names on the bench as opposed to players who need to be dropped for not following instructions? For example is refusing to follow tactical instructions as heinous as being tired or off form? Being tired and off form isn't heinous it's just you know particularly being tired it's it's just something that's natural if you if you have to play you know, gazillions of games without break. Um, and, you know, we've certainly got one or two in that in that category that I think could probably have been rested at the weekend. But In Raymond Verheyen's red zone. Ex- oh, yeah, exactly. And, uh, whatever happened to Raymond Verheyen? Sounds like a club, I've, that, isn't it? I've missed him. I've missed him on Twitter. But, I mean, I suppose on, on the other hand, we've, we have now got eight days till the next game, so they've got a decent chunk of time off. So perhaps Mourinho felt that making his grand point was more important than than resting one or two players that clearly need a rest. Peter Porker asks, uh, shouldn't Sanchez be playing off the right? We could say that, couldn't we? Um, I, I'd love, I'd like to see him there. I'd like to see him on one side and Martial on the other. He played off the right at, at Barcelona for, for most of his time there, but it looks like Mourinho's intent on having him playing off the left. And to a degree, in the in the Huddersfield game, you could see why. You you could see what what a an impactful force he can be off that left hand side but then you know Martial can be terrific on that side as well so I would be tempted to try it but I just I'm not convinced that that he will okay Pinak asks uh how can we extract such a level of performance consistently from matter does that depend on the type of players that is playing with in the front line it just seems to be a number of things need to come together don't they for matter to play well I think it needs to be a certain sort of opponent and I think Huddersfield but you know he's got the gut, the guile, and the craft to kind of to to be quite useful against a deep lying defence. I think he struggles more. I mean, he had a quite a poor game at, at Burnley, and he struggles when we try and play on the counter attack because because he's the second slowest man at United behind David Blint, <laughs> and that's just that's just not that's just not his game. And I think that's the problem. I I just don't think he's physically made to be effective in certain types of games, particularly away from home. I think is of much much more use to us at home against teams that we that you know that, that we 
might struggle to break down. David Guest with the last question of the night, and he asks, why don't we try and sign Mahrez, bearing in mind how much the team is crying out for a creative right-sided attacker? I mean, if City's problems trying to get Mahrez are any indication, probably because Leicester wanted something like £90 million. I think if he wanted Mahrez, we'd have gone after Mahrez at some point, whether it be in the summer or not. Yeah. I'd love to see Mahrez off that right. You know, Can you imagine Sanchez on one side and Mahrez on the other? But then you know, what to do with Marshall and Rashford? I think Sanchez was his big signing. If, if we were going to be had any interest in Mahrez, he wouldn't have made that signing. I think that's that's one little one little wonder we'll never know we'll never know the true answer to. Um but it will be extremely annoying if he goes to City next year and is super ace. Well, I mean there 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 is that. That could be quite annoying. I think what's more annoying is Pep's very clear point making to the, the city's owners, which is essentially you didn't give me enough money to spend. I'ma spend all of the money. Oh, I can't mock I'm I'm only gonna put six players on the bench. That was remarkable babyish behaviour. Absolutely wonderful. You know, given the narrative when he came to uh, this, or the narrative that it was when he came to this country at the same time as Mourinho was moving to United and the, you know, Mourinho is going to kill the youth and here's Pep, the great academy player developer. Honestly, he's, he's, he's a wonderful coach and he's, he's clearly crafted with the help of coaching and money a, a really, really wonderful team. But in the last few weeks, he's made an absolute titter himself. First of all, repeatedly complaining that City don't have the money to do things that other clubs have to do, having spent gazillions more than anybody else in the last two years. And then and then this bench thing was just puerile at the weekend. I mean, honestly, I think Gary Neville said that if, if, if you're the academy director or one of the main coaches of the academy, this is supposedly incredible academy they've built where they've, they have got these objectively extremely talented players and he won't pick one player to sit on the bench, even even just for the experience of travelling with the first team and, you know, just, just getting used to that, that kind of thing, just for the sake of making a pathetic point about how he's got so many injuries and not enough players. I I think he's really, really let himself down in the last two or three weeks. I think if I was part of City's academy and board and knowing the amount of effort they put into trying to create a new generation of youngsters at that club, and they've got some amazing facilities, there's no getting around that. They've clearly done some great work. I think that sort of behaviour completely undermines the entire setup, and it is absolutely childish. And I just find it remarkable. You know, Mourinho chucks his toys out of the pram frequently, but Pep's levelled these last couple of weeks, especially at the weekend. Mm. Absolutely mad. But then again, why are we talking about City when we won a football game? Let's leave it there for the week, Rich. All right, guys, thank you very much for listening too. Don't forget you can get us all over the internet, should you so wish to. You can get me at at Ewan Leonard. You can get Rich at at RichardCan76. And also you can go over to at written off underscore MUFC to Rich, our good friend James, a happy birthday because he's in age now and I don't want to say which one because I'm too polite. Don't forget you can also get the pod at Red Voices MUFC and you can get the blog at www.redvoices.net. Guys, have yourselves an absolutely superb week or so. We'll be back at the end of it. Goodbye. 